Would you turn to two openings, please? Galatians 5, Romans 12. We've been on a series now for some weeks. We've entitled Saved to Serve. Saved to Serve. In Galatians 5.13, he said, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty, freedom. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The First uh, Peter 2.16, you don't have to turn there, but in the God's Word translation, First Peter 2.16 says a similar thing. It says, live as free people, but don't hide behind your freedom when you do evil. Instead, use your freedom to do what? Did you know you can misuse things that God gives you? You can abuse blessings. Uh, We have been set free. We've been healed. We've been delivered. God's paid our bills. Gotten us out of debt. Done so many things for us. Not just so we could watch TV 12 hours a day with no pain. Not just so we could goof off and give our full attention to our hobbies or, or this or that. This life, this entire life, is not playtime. It's work time. Later on, we get to retire. We're going to have some fun past this life. And not to say you can't enjoy some things down here, do something that's fun, but that should not be your priority. And that should not be what you spend the bulk of your time or spend the bulk of your resources doing is trying to make yourself comfortable or entertained. We're down here on a mission. We've got a job to do. We've got a house to build. Right? We have been saved to serve. By love, he said, serve one another. How do you serve God? Well, by ministering to his people. The throne room does not need to be swept. God doesn't need a sandwich. Right? He doesn't need his clothes washed or ironed. He doesn't need the oil changed in his car or some new tires. He doesn't need any of that. But his kids do. Right? And when you do something for his people, he takes it personally. Negative or positive? Don't you remember Jesus said in his, uh, he, he showed them what was coming and he said, Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, or you didn't do it to them, you did it to me. On the road to Damascus, Saul, before his name was uh, Paul, Jesus met him and said, Why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing these things to me? And, and Saul looked at him and said, Who are you? He, he, he's saying, what, I, what, I don't even know you. What did it ever do to you? But if you do it to the church, you do it to him. Right? If you don't do it to the church, you don't do it for him. And so the way you serve God is by serving your brother. Serving, ministering to the church. Said out loud, I was saved saved to serve. serve. You've been made free so you can do what? Not just so you can focus on yourself, but so you can be a blessing, a benefit, a help to your brothers. Look in Romans, please, the 12th chapter. Romans 12 and verse 1. 
He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The, um, let's see, the NIV says this is your spiritual act of worship. We said we, we need mind renewal. Anytime you hear the word ministry, you should think service. That's what it literally means. And anytime you hear the word ministry or service, you should also think worship. Now there's mind renewal there, isn't it? Because a lot of folks, when they hear worship, they only think of holding up their hands and saying, Lord, I worship you, I worship you. But no, worship is much, much bigger than that. What we do on a daily basis is to be worship and can be. Uh, these guys, you saw on the TV team, whether somebody's running a camera, whether they're editing, whether they're trying to get the sound right for the internet or whatever the case might be, they're not prophesying, they're not praying, they're not quoting scriptures. But if they're doing that from their heart in faith, because they love God and they love you and they, they want the word to get out, God calls it worship. Worship. These natural things take on eternal and kingdom significance when they're done in faith and at his direction. And he said, in view of the mercies of God, in view of how merciful God has been to us. We were on our way to hell, friend. Right? And now we're not. We have been saved. We've been cleansed. We've been healed. We've been given peace in our heart and mind. Money in our pocket. In view of all these mercies. It's just reasonable. Right? That we present ourselves and say, Here am I, Lord. I am of service. I want to be of service to you. I want to be of service to your people. Use me. Use me. Every day, my life, my body, my mind, my resources, my talents, everything that's under my hand, it's available to you for service to your people. And friend, this is also the only way we will ever be satisfied or fulfilled. I don't care how successful you are. If all you do is seek your own success and your own enrichment and your own financial security and your own this or your own that, including your own families, because it's your family, (laughs) right? If that's all you do, you can reach all kind of natural success and you'll be empty inside. You'll get to the end of long paths and Huge works and projects and you'll, you'll feel dissatisfied and, and you'll think, is this all there is? Because you were made for more. Amen. I said you were made for more. Amen. You're not just made for this world only. You are part of the eternal family and kingdom and plan of God. And you are graced and gifted. Some things from birth. Some things when you're born again, some things later as you progress in life, God has put in you and adds to you things that are specifically designed to meet a need and provide help in the church, in the body of Christ, 
in the family of believers. And you can never be fulfilled and satisfied until you do that, until you find your place. The question is, what are you doing in the service of the Lord? What are you doing? Now, the reason why this is an uncomfortable question with a whole lot of people is because of a wrong mentality. Go to Ephesians 4. You know, tradition of men has usurped the place of the Word of God in many churches, many denominations, many groups. And there's a whole lot of people believe things are biblical. They believe they're right And they're actually contrary to Scripture. Just because people have been doing something a certain way a long, long time, doesn't make it right. Doesn't mean it was ever God. Well, we've been doing this for ten generations. Well, that could mean somebody missed it ten generations ago when they made that change and implemented it. And now others have just duplicated the same mistake. In Ephesians 4, we looked at this. And we want to ask this question and and answer it again. Who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? The work of the ministry. Well, it sounds, you know, logical that the ministers are to do the work of the ministry. And this is widely held belief. You know, that people, uh, we that's why we hire our ministers. That's why they go to school. That's why this and that. So they can do the spiritual work of seeking God and praying and and preaching and visitation and and counseling and, and all these things. While the bulk of the people in the church do what? They come. They sit. They listen. They leave. And in their minds, the job of accomplishing the work of the ministry is the job. Of the preachers. And that is untrue. That is contrary. To plain Bible verses. But. How many churches believe that? Or at least practice it. (laughs) Ephesians 4. And 11. This is the NIV. It was he. Jesus. The head of the church. He gave gifts to men, and he gave some of these gifts to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. These are our preachers, we might say, our ministers. Why did he give them? To what end? Verse 12. They are given to prepare God's people for works of service. The King James says the work of the ministry. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? Not the preachers. God's people. The saints. Right? The job of the preachers is to prepare and equip the people so that they can do the work. And this sounds like a novel new idea to masses of the church, wouldn't it? People are like, huh? I come when I can. (laughs) And I give some when I can. I mean, what more do you want? I didn't write this. It's not about what I want. 
This is why so many are so miserable. They're just sick, for lack of a better word, of their limited, mundane, natural life. They get up. They get ready. They go. They come back. They clean. They get up. They do it all again. And they're like, is this all there is? No, it's never been all there is. But if you just live for yourself and yours, you're going to be so disappointed, so unfulfilled. God has created every member of the body of Christ for a place where they fit in the body. And he has positioned and placed every one of them, every one of us, as it has pleased him. We have been and are being equipped to function in that place, to be of real use and real help. Do you believe that? Do you believe that is true for every child of God, every believer in the body? Do you believe it? It's the truth. It's Bible. Listen to the Amplified of this same passage, verse 12. Amplified verse 12, his intention, the head of the church's intention in giving apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, his intention was what? The perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering to what end? Toward the building up of this building. Christ's body, the church. Can you see that a handful of preachers could never accomplish this? This is far too big. Well, Jesus said the harvest is plenteous and great and the laborers are few. We need you. We need all hands on deck. Come on, do you believe it? We need everybody and then some to get this job done. And it has not been that way at all. It has been a handful of people that said, yeah, I'm going to answer the call. I'm going to give my life to serve God. A handful. While the mass of the folks say, yeah, I believe in Jesus as my Lord, but I got a life to live. I got to pay my bills. I got to raise my kids. I got to do this and that. And they were not available. They're not available decade after decade. And this is not okay. The Lord knows you got things to do. But he's, there's a principle that if you seek first the kingdom of God, all the things that the people in the world are striving for, trying to get their bills paid, trying to get their kids through college, all that stuff, instead of you chasing it, it'll chase you. <laughs> instead of you struggling and trying to eke and find it, it will find you. It will come to you. Now it takes faith to operate this way. A lot of folks just don't believe it enough to turn loose of them trying to make it happen and to make themselves available first to the Lord and His things. But not only that, if you put your kids first and they know it, you are training them to put themselves and their kids first, not God. People think they're being such great parents, but it's obvious to the kids if they're number one in your life and you're teaching them to be selfish. And they'll go duplicate what you did. 
If your family's number one, God is not number one. If your kids and grandkids come first, God doesn't come first. There's only one number one spot. If God is in that spot, everything else is below it. Right? Everything else comes after that. After that's done. After that's accomplished. Would you go with me please to uh, Exodus? Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? All the saints. All the people of God. Exodus 17. This passage we're about to read is, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful pictures of this thing we're talking about right now. It's just so rich, so much here, and that's why the Lord gave it to us, because it's timeless, speaks to everybody in every generation. It is the story, Exodus 17, of uh, Moses... God using him to lead his people out of slavery, out of bondage. And the plan was to lead them into the Canaan land, the promised land that he had chosen and prepared, selected for them. And in verse 10, an enemy came out against them. You know, you can be just, so to speak, minding your own business in obeying God and the enemy just come try to fight you. Right? You didn't invite it. You wasn't looking for it. But here it is. And when it's there, you got to deal with it. Or just be overcome. And here came Amalek. I mean, they're trying to get their self together and get out of here and get across the wilderness and get to the promised land. And here comes Amalek. And they fought with them. Verse 9. Moses said to Joshua, choose us out men and go fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Verse 10, Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11, it came to pass when Moses held up his hand. Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, what happened? The enemy prevailed. But Moses' hands uh, were heavy. And uh, they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat down on it. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. And verse 13 talks about how that they, Joshua discomfited them. He won the battle. They were not defeated. They were not conquered. They won. What a picture. What a picture. And why did it happen this way? This is a picture of how things work and what has to happen in order for things to work. Now there had to be somebody boots on the ground getting this job done, didn't it? Somebody getting their hands dirty. Somebody in the sweat and muck of the situation and Joshua is leading these guys on the ground, isn't he? But that alone won't get the job done. 
in order to have some kind of a physical and natural uh, accomplishment, there's got to be spiritual accomplishment. They are connected. And while this battle is going on down there, Moses is up on the hill overlooking it with his hands in the air. Now what's he doing? He's a man of God. Why is he doing that? Because the Lord told him to. Directed him to. And this is not just... Now you know he wouldn't just be doing this for no reason. A lot of people who don't believe in spiritual things, they'd look at that and scoff and go, well that didn't make any difference whether the battle got won or not. It's whether them guys could fight or not. You're wrong. You can have the best of the best in the natural. And unless you've got the spiritual behind it, it's not going to succeed. Everything is connected to the spiritual. Everything. Everything. Whether you believe it or not, it is. And as, how obvious this is. As long as Moses was doing his thing, they're winning. When he quits doing his thing, they start losing. The spiritual connection. He's standing, he, why is he standing there with his hands in the air? That's a symbol of victory, isn't it? Victory. He's believing God. He's standing in faith. He's overlooking this thing, expecting God to give them strength, expecting God to give Joshua direction, strategy, expecting, believing. But he got tired. As long as he was doing that, they're winning. They're winning. They're pushing the enemy right back. They're winning this thing. But when he got tired and couldn't hold his hands up any longer, then the line starts moving the other way. The enemy starts pushing them back. And what they realized is the man of God needs help. (laughs) Didn't he? He needs support. And so Aaron got on one side. Her got on the other side. First of all, they they came up and they said, Man of God, would you sit down? Now, how many spiritual people realize the importance and significance of the spiritual side of things and the connection that the guys on the ground needed the spiritual? They needed it. Not just it was nice to have. You know, a good example of this is when it comes to healing. A lot of people see a prayer for healing as a nice to have, but not necessary to have, in order to get healed. That really what you need is a good doctor and good medicine. And that's the main thing. And that the prayer could be a help to that some way. No, you got it backwards. I said you got it backwards. Thank God for good doctors. Thank God for for good people in these professions. But they are a helps. They are a natural helps to the healing ministry of God. He is the healer. And I don't care what a doctor or a man or woman or a piece of equipment or medicine tries to do for you. Unless the Lord heals you, you're not going to be healed. A lot of people don't believe that. They don't believe the spiritual is that real. They don't believe in the connection. But you could be healed, uh, you know, without the doctor. But you couldn't be healed through the doctor without God. 
either through his mercy or grace or through him answering your prayer in faith. But you hear people say, well, I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in that healing stuff like that. You ask them a real simple thing. Have you ever skint your knee? Have you ever scraped your elbow? Oh, yeah, man, when I was 10 years old, I was coming down this hill, boy. Whew, I fell. Well, show it to me. Oh, it, it's healed. It's what? But you won't believe in healing. Oh, that's different. It is not different. It's exactly the same thing. God put a certain amount of healing in the body just to maintain it. And where that came from, there's a lot more. That's right. And God could crank that up two times, ten times, a thousand times. And that's when you see some of these instant things happen. Because when you got the healing turned up that high, boy, the sickness just fades away. Whew, that's it. But we need to emphasize the spiritual and give it the place and significance that it's supposed to have. Because without that, you know, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain at building. You can do all kinds of stuff. It's not going to be worth anything unless you got the spiritual part of it. Well, they said, man of God, you know, would you sit down? So he sat down. One got on one side, one got on the other. They held his hands up. And when they did that, now he can keep those hands up all day long because he's got to help. Somebody say the help. Was Aaron and her important that day? What did they do? All they did was help hold up an arm. But did that affect a lot of stuff? It was huge. It affected all kinds of things. Now, I know they had a great victory. I know Moses being the spiritual man that he is, he saw some things with them helping him. I know he realized he could not have done it without their help. And yet, he didn't really learn the full lesson. He said, how can you say that? Because the very next chapter shows that he didn't. He had to receive quite a bit more input. He, he's not getting this thing about the help. And he's not the last one that didn't get it. <laughs> About the help. 18th chapter. About verse. uh, What is it? 12. We'll start. Moses father-in-law. This is Exodus 18. Moses father-in-law came to visit him. And uh, he had. He's been outside the situation. And he's just coming in. And uh, they got together. 8 verse 13. The next day. Moses, uh, I'm reading God's Word translation. The next day Moses was settling disagreements among the people. The people stood around Moses from morning until evening. That's a long time. Talking about long work days. Hmm? From daylight till dark. They stood around. And uh, when Moses' father-in-law saw everything Moses was doing for the people, he asked Why are you doing this for the people? Do you know we need to be asked that sometimes? Why are you doing this? And he could have answered, well, he did. He said, uh, you know, they're looking for direction. They need help. Why are you doing this? And why do you sit here alone? Everybody say "Alone." alone. While all the people stand around you from morning until evening. Keep reading. Moses answered his father-in-law, he said, because the people come to me to find out God's will. Keep going. 
Whenever they have a disagreement, they bring it to me. I decide which person's right. I tell them about God's laws and instruction. Moses' father-in-law replied, he said, what you're doing is not good. Now, was it a good thing that he's trying to help them see the word? Was it a good thing that he's willing to push himself like this and stay out there all day? I mean, that's good that he's willing to, that that's in his heart, and yet he's not doing a good thing. Can you see this? He's missing it. He's missing it. We must be open and teachable for the Lord to say, why are you doing this? You think you've got good answers. You say, well, it's a need. Now, one thing you see Moses was doing You can see a number of things here, but one thing he said, they're they're looking for God's will, and I'm sure he felt like, I'm the best one. You know, I've been on the mountain. (laughs) I got the the tablets. You know, who's more qualified than him? And he's willing to use what he's gotten from God personally to help them, and yet he's missing it, thinking he's the only one that can do that. It can be pride to think you're the only one that can do the job. I think it was partly ignorance. I think he didn't realize what he's doing. They got into this, and I'm sure it wasn't an all-day deal to start with. But it turned into it. And then you can be led by the end of the line. That as long as it's in front of you, you got to keep going. And it's good to be the kind of person that wants to finish the job and not leave it undone. But you have to watch. If you're just led by the end of the line, you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Then as long as something's in front of you, you'll keep going till you drop. Why? Maybe the Lord was telling you for the last 30 people, go home, go home, go home. But you, you, there's people still here. So you keep going, keep going, keep going. Not listening. You know, you hear people talking about burning out in the ministry. You hear that kind of thing, don't you? So and so, you know, what happened? They burn out. You have to be disobedient to burn out. The Lord is not a harsh, cruel taskmaster. Who will push you till you drop and then kick you and say, get up, boy, there's work to be done. That's not him. What did he say? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If it is oppressively heavy and it is unbearingly hard, it's not his yoke. It's not his job. You have been misled. You've been misdirected. And boy, if you let the devil, he will load you like a pack mule till your belly drags the ground and it will never be enough. You'll stumble and fall down. He'll say, get up, get up, get up. No time to rest. He will drive you into the ground. And you can imagine you're doing it for the Lord and you're not. Moses, the Lord is speaking through Moses' father-in-law and he says, what you're doing is not good. Okay, let's read the rest of it. Verse 18. You and your people will wear yourselves out. This is too much work for you. You can't do it alone. Say it out loud. You can't can't 
do it alone. You can't do it alone. Not it's hard to do alone. You can't do it. It's just not going to get done. And I don't think what Moses was realizing. And one thing as I read this too. He said it's not just you that's getting worn out. All these people are getting worn out. Waiting on you all the time. (laughs) You're getting worn out. You're wearing everybody else out. Why? You're missing God. This is not his plan. You're trying to do everything. And it is such, you know, I've seen um, families do this with their kids. You know, thinking of a guy right now, bless his heart. I think he's learned better since then. But he had a eight-year-old. He's got a ten-year-old. He's got a big old strapping sixteen-year-old boy. And he'd work all day long and come in and pull out the lawnmower after he got home and cut the grass while that big old 16 year old boy lay up in there and watched TV. (laughs) Now that's ignorant. And it's being a poor parent. Why? Because you're training them that everybody's going to wait on them hand and foot and it's going to be a shock to their system when they get out into the world and it doesn't happen. And then you're training them to spoil their kids. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And then here you are. You know by the time you get through with everything. And you stumble in. You don't have enough strength. Or patience. Or desire to spend time. And talk to them about anything substantial. You just fall in the bed. Do you see people are missing it. Well so and so is a hard worker. Well you can miss it being a hard worker. You can absolutely be rebelling against what God's telling you to do. Not willing to listen. So he said you can't do this alone. You. You wear yourselves out. You wear all the people out. Keep reading verse 19. Now listen to me and I'll give you some advice. May God be with you. Other translations bring out that he said you know if the Lord tells you to do this then do it. You must be the people's representative to God and bring their disagreements to him. In verse 20, you must instruct them in the laws and the the teachings and show them how to live and tell them what to do. But choose capable men from all the people, men who fear God, men who you can trust, men who hate corruption, and put them in charge of groups of a thousand and of a hundred and fifty and ten. Verse 22. Let them be the ones who settle these disagreements and they bring the important cases to you and and they should settle all the minor cases themselves. It will make it easier for yourself by letting them help you. Thank you, Lord. Notice those first two words up there. Let them. Let them do this. Now, there's a radical change. If you look down to verse 24... Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. And he chose capable men out of all the Israelites. He put them in charge of groups of a thousand, a hundred, fifty, and ten. Now what you notice, this is amazing. This is miraculous. You talk about a big change. There were six hundred plus thousand soldiers in the bunch. Now you add to that the, the older people and the younger people, uh, the wives, you're looking at at least, you know, a million people, maybe two, maybe more. But let's just be conservative and say it's a million people. Well, if you put 
the, if, you, if you add this up, the ones over a thousands, that'd be a thousand people for a million. The ones over hundreds, that'd be 10,000 helpers. The ones over fifties, that'd be 20,000 helpers. The ones over the tens, that's 100,000 of them. That's 131,000 helpers he's got now to do this job. The day before he had none. He had 131,000 helpers available to use. And for these months or years, he's not using them. He's pushing himself till he drops. Wonder how with any of the rest of us, if we're not utilizing what's available, that God has provided in help because we've just got used to doing things a certain way and we just continue on in that same pattern. And now all these people, how do you think it affected the lives of these 131,000 people? You think it helped their lives? They're learning, you know, he prayed over them. If you go and read the rest of it, he prayed over them and believed God. And God uh, took some anointing and put it on these folks and gave them wisdom and gave them discernment. And they came up and they developed. Now, when you, when you say this, there's a number of things connected with it. But uh, look at this scripture and then, then I'll, I'll say more about it. In... Um, 1 Corinthians 4.2, 1 Corinthians 4.2, it says, It is required in stewards, that word also could be translated managers, that a man be found what? Faithful. Faithful. Now listen to the living Bible of this. The living Bible translation of 4.2. It says, Now the most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master Tells him to do. That's the specific application of faithfulness. Now, Moses gave these individuals specific instructions about how to do this. We won't necessarily take the time to read it all, but uh, what is it over in Deuteronomy? Let's see. Yeah, Deuteronomy, the first chapter and about verse 16. You can look at it later if you want to. He said, I charged your judges and I told them, he told them how to administer this judgment. What to do, what not to do, some very specific instructions. Now, do you suppose that uh, they would have been expected to follow those instructions? Well, what if they decide, well... Hey, I can hear from God too, and I'm going to forget the instructions that Moses gave me, and I think this is a better way to do it, and I'm going to do it. That would have been unfaithfulness, right? Which would disqualify them from doing it. You know, there are leaders who are reluctant to delegate, and they, they keep trying to do everything themselves uh, because of ignorance or because of pride that I'm the only one that can do it right or I have to do it, I'm the best one to do it, or fear, afraid that if I let them do it, they're going to mess it up. And there is a real possibility that they're going to make some mistakes. No, I shouldn't say possibility. It's going to happen. 
And they're not going to do it just like you would do it. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be good. But you got to draw the line with people not following instructions. See, a lot of people say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to delegate. Turn this over to me. <laughs> and they want to run it. And then if you have any input, they go, oh, come on now. Don't, don't micromanage. Don't micromanage. If you, if you want me to do it, let me have it. And let me do it. Not wrong. Wrong. You're, you're not free to do things as you see fit. You are to follow the instructions you were given. And if you don't follow them, then you disqualify yourself from the place, from the charge. Can you see this, friends? This is so important. <laughs> I'm going to let that simmer just a minute, then I'll stir it again. <laughs> it's required in a person who's been given a charge that they be what? Faithful. Faithful to what? You know, for instance, a, if you're talking about art, you're talking about somebody, somebody said this is a faithful representation. This is a faithful replica. What does that mean? It's just like it. And uh, we must be, the scripture said in, in Luke, that if you're not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? I tell the story. I mean, it sounds humorous, but it represents a whole lot of things. Uh, Phyllis and I, my wife, come from the south. And so we know about tomatoes. We've been around tomatoes all our life. You went out to the garden and picked them and brought them in. And, and you didn't just have a few. I mean, you canned them. You put them up. I mean, lots of tomatoes. Well, after seeing hundreds of thousands of tomatoes and making tens of thousands of tomato sandwiches and every other kind of thing, we uh, were working with the Hagans. And uh, we're over at their house one time and Phyllis is in the kitchen and, and Brother Hagan uh, wants her to... Uh, Peel a tomato. And so uh, she starts to do it. And he says, no, 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 no. Step aside. Look at this. <laughs> and so he shows her how to peel the tomato. Now, she's seen a lot of tomatoes in her time. But uh, this ain't her tomato. <laughs> Come on, are y'all with me now or not? It's not her tomato. So if it's not your tomato, if it's Brother Hagen's tomato, how should it be peeled? Like Brother Hagen wants his tomato to be peeled. Now, when you're at home, you cut your tomato wherever, however you like. And this is true with the things of God. And thing after thing that you've been allowed a place to help under somebody else's leadership, it's not your tomato. You're not free to just do it the way you think or to come up with a better idea. Doesn't mean you can't talk to somebody and say, hey, you know, I felt like the Lord dealt with me about this or that. You know, what about this? But if they say, no, no, just do it the way I said, then hush and do it that way. Elsewise, you're unfaithful. And if you change it behind their back or you change this or change that and try to hide it, that's unfaithful. It's unfaithful. You'll disqualify yourself for your place. And you know, another thing is, Wanting to be on staff and be paid is not the same as wanting to help. <laughs> wanting to be in charge and wanting to be in control of something is not the same as wanting to help. Wanting to be around somebody personally 
Get some personal time with them. That's not the same as wanting to help. (laughs) Some folks that have offered their services has been interesting. Because they they haven't been willing to help just anywhere. Very specific. If you have anything open up on the platform. (laughs) I'm not, not making this up. I'm available. Or they could help us with our money. We need help taking care of them. We don't know them, but they can take care of our money for us. <laughs> but wanting access to the money is not the same thing as wanting to help. That sounds like helping yourself. <laughs> and so you understand they're not getting anywhere around the money. Right? No, nowhere around it. <laughs> the truth is, if you're faithful in the least thing, the little thing, Jesus said you'd be faithful in much. Didn't he? Didn't he say that? So if you want to see if somebody really wants to help, give them a small charge. See what they do with it. If they really want to help, they'll be glad to help any way they can. Right? And that's the kind of person you can give a larger charge. But again, faithfulness means you do it the way you were instructed. The way you were told. And if in the process of time. You get to the place where you're in the leadership. Then you can do it the way. Well you still can't do it the way you want to. But you can do it the way you believe the Lord is directing you to do it. I've had people push me about stuff. And I've looked at them and said look. I'm not doing what I want to do. Why would I do what you want to do? I really do have a boss. The big boss. And I've had ideas, this and that, but he didn't go along with it. And, I, and I've made mistakes in time past, and I don't want him to let me do what I want to do. That's a disaster. That's a problem. I want to do it exactly the way he wants it done. It's his tomato. It's his tomato. <laughs> if he wants something done to it, I never heard you could do with a tomato. That's what we're going to do. Because it's his Tomato. It's, it's his body. It's his church. It's his thing. And if you're under somebody and you think they're not getting it right, pray for them. Pray for them. But if you're following your instructions, then you'll be all right between you and the Lord because this wasn't your call. You're doing what you were directed to do. Can you see this? Very important. Thanks be unto God. He went from having no help that morning to the end of the day having 131,000 at least. If it's 2 million, you just double that. 200 some thousand. So thank God the resources are here. How many think, come on now, you're going to have to stretch your mind a little bit on this, but how many think what would happen If everybody in every Baptist church, every Catholic church, every Presbyterian, every Pentecostal, every any kind of church came and said, I am not just pew warming anymore. What do you need? I will be there. I'll bring money. I will give you my talents. What can I do? And everybody showed up and everybody gave and everybody believed 
and everybody worked and all the ministers and spiritual ones were not embroiled in all the natural trivial stuff holding them into the natural but they were standing on the hill come on are you listening believing God with vision and focus and you had the spiritual and you had the natural what would happen there's a passage concerning Gideon that blesses me you know when he got up on the mountain and he, uh, all of them had their horns and they had their uh, lanterns and they, they broke uh, the vases and they blew the horns. The Bible said when every man stood up in his place the enemy cried and ran. Hey! Does that sound good to you? What do you think if every man and woman in the church would stand up in their place? I'm telling you it would scare the devil. And it would shake the earth. And we'd get this building done. Stand on your feet everybody. Thank you Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information. Visit our website at morelife.org.